Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, and welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm Colin Hung, and today I'm joined by the team at PHSA here in Canada, who's going to talk to us about a very, very interesting innovation that they've come up with called a uh, health visit patient benefits dashboard. And there are four uh, wonderful ladies who are joining me today. I'm going to ask each of them to introduce themselves, starting with Chris. Good morning. My name is Chris Olson. I'm the communications officer for the Office of Virtual Health and Trauma Trauma Services BC at PHSA. Julie. Hi, I'm Julie Wei, Senior Leader at the Office of Virtual Health, PHSA. Ying? Hi, everyone. My name is Ying Zhang. I'm also a Senior Leader with PHSA Office of Virtual Health. And Alex. Hi, my name is Alex. Uh, I work as Communications Coordinator for the Office of Virtual Health and for BC Trauma Services. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today on the program. I really appreciate the time you're taking to, to talk to me about this wonderful innovation that you have, uh, have done and are, are going to be presenting at the upcoming eHealth conference coming up soon. But before we get started, maybe I can ask one of you to just give our audience the quick one, two minute overview of what PS, PHSA does and, and who you are and where you're located. So Provincial Health Services Authority, also known as PHSA, is like the overarching uh, health authority for programs and health programs in BC. So there are regional health authorities for the different uh, major regions of the province. And PHSA basically is the overviewing health authority for programs such as BC Cancer, BC Renal, uh, BC Children's Hospital, BC Women's Hospital, that type of thing. So we're not actually um, a health authority for one particular region. We support the major programs. We are based, yeah, the corporate, sorry, the corporate office is based in Vancouver as well. Ah, One of my favorite cities in Canada, one of the most beautiful cities in Canada. But thank you for that overview. I really appreciate that. So what, why I became so intrigued was, was basically this title of the presentation that you're giving at eHealth, talking about this virtual health visit patient benefit dashboard. Maybe can um, one of you describe what that is? Yeah, for sure. Maybe I can take this one. I'd like to start with a little bit of like background and context. Uh, I can start with what our office does. Like our office is called the Office of Virtual House. And what we do essentially is we support the clinical programs under PHSA and beyond to better integrate virtual health technologies in their day-to-day workflow. So we can have better way to provide services uh, to patients and family members. So that's what's going on. And before the year and the global events of 2020, our office has been really busy doing like demonstration projects. So so we can say that is like an experiment on a controlled scale uh, to try a new virtual health technology and how they can be integrated into care model. So what I did is uh, I had the pleasure to work with multiple, I would say it's like close to 15 clinical programs to trial virtual visits in their service area. 
So it covers a variety of services from like uh, mental health counseling to uh, pre and post surgical assessment and to follow up uh, appointments for a variety of needs. And we were able to gather data throughout this demonstration project. And we had one hypothesis that's like virtual house, virtual and virtual visit can save patients time and money because they no longer need to travel to the clinical site to have the appointment. This is almost a no brainer, but we do not want to take this assumption and treat that as if it's the truth. We want to kind of validate this hypothesis and to know if that does like deliver any tangible patient benefits. If so, how many, we want to quantify that. So that's like the idea behind how we start to like uh, mobilize resource and put together a virtu virtual visit ban patient benefit dashboard is a part of evaluation for this demonstration project. And and so this dashboard was it was it an electronic dashboard that was done like what what was it built in or mm -hmm. what was it uh, developed in? Yeah, it's a Power BI dashboard and it lives in our internal like reporting environment. And Julie can talk a bit more about the technical side, but that's what I can say. Okay. Um, yeah, we worked quite closely with our decision support team. So they are um, PHSA centralized uh, reporting and analytics team who um, helped us calculate it. And, um, and yeah, this dashboard is basically a, a visualization of the calculations and um, with maps and things like that so that it is um, easily uh, consumed by everyone and easily understood. Actually, that's, that's going to be my next question is, how was this dashboard after you created it? How is it used? Uh, who looks at it? And where, what's sort of the context of, of how it's um, used internally at PH, PHSA? Yeah, I, I think I can take this one. I can quickly tell you what's included in the dashboard and then talk about how we use it. So it's a very simple one-page dashboard. It's interactive. We basically feed our visit data into it and did five things with it. It displays the high level, like uh, some high level stats, such as like number of patients, number of providers, and number of completed visits included in the data sets. And then based on that, we did some calculations such as um, what's the max distance that traveled if people have to come for in-person visit, what's the max time saved based on that, and what's the uh, total hour saved and what's the average hour uh, and distance saved, something like that. And then the fun part is we create an interactive map that actually use like, um, that actually maps out uh, the impact by patient's postcode prefix. So you get to see lots of bubble. The size of bubble pretty much indicates uh, the volume, the size of visit in that region. And you can see where those bubbles are located across the whole province and even beyond in some cases. So you really get to see that impact in a very visual way. That's way interesting than looking at super long list with thousands of like row, not rows, yeah, yeah, thousands of lines. So we get to see that. And it also comes with the table that compares like number of visit and number of patients. In each, uh, in each region. Uh, the, the term they use is FSA. I believe that that means forward 
sortation area. That's the terminology we wouldn't really understand, but we are lucky because we work with our corporate partners and we were able to use those terms and to help to bring the visualization to life. And to your question is how we use it. Right now, this is mainly used internal within the project team. Uh, we use the dashboard in two ways. Number one is, of course, as an analytical tool. Uh, we use it to see the impact and we play with the, the information. We also build in some filter. Uh, so we can slice and dice information from different angles and to try to come up with some general observation, even generate some insights and finding. Uh, so we can slice and dice by what program area it is, is the distance over or under 100 kilometers, or patient's age and gender, so those kind of basic demographic features. Um, we use this as an analytical tool, and in this particular project, we use this as one of the input to do our cost-benefit analysis because we did put in like our resource and efforts to enable services like that, and we want to know does that really benefit patient? And if so, does that, uh, is that sustainable in terms of the efforts we put in to sustain and enable service like this? So that's one use. The second use is actually we use this as a motivational tool. Like we show our stakeholder, like see, this is a tangible impact because you participate in this project and we did this. So you saved your patient this amount of money, this amount of hours. So yeah, it helps people to feel like super real and feel like really engaged and connected with the ultimate goal and purpose of the project. Yeah, so that's in a nutshell how we are using the dashboard. And, and Ying, do you, or anyone else, I mean, do you feel that, um, you mentioned that this dashboard was very motivating, like you could see the impact and the savings of time mm -hmm. and, and cost for the patients coming in because you had adopted this telehealth and, and video visit kind of virtual visit capability. Do you think that um, this dashboard helped convince some people who maybe were on the fence about this or was it really more just reaffirming what everyone really already knew and believed in their heart uh, about the use of that technology? From my perspective, I would say this dashboard serves the more as the validation tool because we share that with people who are already part of the project already trying it, it's really good to see like, okay, we put in this much effort and we, we deliver some benefits to people. Um, I think you asked a really great question. Maybe in the future, this can be used as a preservation tool to help people to uh, change their perception around virtual visit uh, in the long term as well. Yeah, and also I wanted to add that, um, the challenge with virtual health is that it's hard to demonstrate any immediate health impact, health outcome impact on patients. So this is one of the other ways to see an, uh, an immediate impact on patients. So we, we feel that this is very valuable. No, it's a, that's a great point because, you, you know, the outcomes will take weeks, months in order to gather. Uh, and even then, there's so many other variables on whether or not the outcome is positive or negative for a patient. But here, the travel time, the the, the cost uh, to even do that travel, it is a direct relation to the adoption of that technology. So um, I could certainly see that if I was on the fence about something like this, seeing this kind of impact would make me feel good about the technology. What what has the reaction been to to this dashboard from uh, from the people that you've shown it to, have, have people been 
you know, have been, they been surprised? Have they been kind of like, wow, this is really cool. Um, have you got your people's gears turning that this is going to turn into some other dashboards and other things that they want to apply to? That's a great question. I would say people really welcome the idea of doing such a dashboard and people love to see impact in such a direct way. We haven't really shared this on a very extensive like basis. So it's mostly within the project team and within our group and people who has the opportunity to view it, really like it. And for people like Julie and myself, who are very analytical, we start to actually play with the data and to generate some insights. And we find it to be quite useful and insightful in that sense. Yeah, and I think I would certainly like to apply this um, methodology and maybe make, making it more accurate as well and um, uh, use it as a key indicator for any of the other virtual health um, tools that we're going to be piloting and trialing in the future. So, Yeah, another thing I kind of want to add here, this can be considered as a prototype. I would admit this is the first time our office trying to put something like this together. So probably it's not, not, not perfect and we have to work with the data limitation that we have but it's a good start. Now we have a prototype and with the scaling of virtual visits, potentially in the future, we will come up with better model, more accurate and larger data set. So we'll be able to demonstrate the impact on larger scale and to show the, show the bigger story. Another thing I wanna say is that we also have, we also want to be really evaluative in everything we do. And one of the lens we take is we take the health equity lens because there are a lot of like conception out there thinking like a virtual visit or anything technology related. They are like for tech savvy young people. It might exclude like senior citizens or that's for people who live in urban area. They have technology, Wi-Fi connectivity and everything. The rural folks may not have the potential to participate. And I personally, I, I wonder how virtual visit can impact equitable access to healthcare. And it worries me if it adds to the digital divide. So that's why we use this dashboard and we see things from the health equity lens. And we have some quite interesting finding. Um, so a couple of things I think I can share is like, first thing I did is I tried to like take, uh, look at things from the age perspective. Uh -huh. So I see the number of visits per age group. So to be a little bit more accurate, I look at like average visit per, per patient by age group. And surprisingly, uh, we didn't really see any correlation between like utilization and age group. And the number is pretty much similar. What's even more surprising is that um, the group with age over 60, they have slightly higher number than the age under 60. So it's not, it doesn't sound like they are being like excluded from the usage and application of technology. So that's really, really interesting to, 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 to find out. So what I'm hearing is that you have, you're disproving the stereotype that elderly people don't want to use new technology or um, especially like for something as complex as a virtual visit. They seems from your data, they're equally comfortable as younger people are to adopt to this form of seeing their prov uh, healthcare provider. I would say at least from this data set, yes, we do not see any pattern or correlation. Um, 
young people and senior people, they all participate and receive benefits from virtual health uh, and virtual visits. One insight I kind of want to share is the project manager who actually helped to enable the services is that like virtual visit, it's not really about technology. It's more about the people. And when we have people who are willing to make things happen, things can happen. So I'm not going to like uh, pretend that, okay, look at the number, everyone can use it. So those barriers don't exist, which is not true. We know that for some senior folks, yes, it's kind of hard to uh, use technology. They don't know which button to push. They might not have a new device. And for people who live in rural areas, yes, we know connectivity can be an issue, but um, I feel like it's really important for health program to have the health equity mindset and try to make sure whatever service they provide, it's access, accessible to the target population they have. So in this case, we have the best team. They try to make the service really accessible, especially if their target population is basically seniors. Um, they go above and beyond to make that happen. I can give you one example. Um, many people, they don't know that by default, you're kind of muted. You need to unmute yourself so the other people can, can hear you. So we sometimes make such mistakes, let alone those like senior folks who doesn't really do Zoom meetings all day. So we actually have some like, um, some unit clerk and they want to make sure like all the senior folks can participate. So they offer to do a dry run with those people before the actual patient visit. That adds to their workload, but they're willing to go above and beyond to make things happen. I would say this is partially the reason why we don't see like a uh, difference in terms of utilization in this data set, because we had people behind the scene willing to go above and beyond to make things happen, to ensure things are equitable, at least within their power. I really like the fact that you're not leaving this to an assumption. You're actually getting data around this to prove that whether access is equitable or not. And, and it's great that you bring up the point that it may look equitable right now, but that's because there's extra effort maybe being put in to ensure that these uh, senior folks uh, know how to unmute themselves and know how to use the technology because they're doing, a, a, like you said, a, a precursor uh, meeting to walk them through the technology. Um, that's great. Um, and, and it speaks to the people that you have on staff that are willing to do this and go above and beyond. Um, other than the, the, was there anything else that was surprising about some of the, the findings in the dashboard? Was there, did you find any, because you were mapping this on a, on a physical map, did you find any surprising pockets of people that you were serving or, uh, that, that you didn't realize you were or that coming from much farther away than, than you had realized before? Julie, do you want to talk about your finding? I think you are the first one to notice that the distribution of benefits and they mainly go to like rural and remote communities. And it's really interesting what we see on the map. Yeah, we have uh, people coming as far as Yukon <laughs> territory. I mean, um, uh, so that would, that means, you know, they would, be able to save a lot of travel costs and long distance um, if they were to actually physically visit their um, health facility. Um, so yeah, and basically across the province, the rural uh, remote patients benefit the, the most. Um, we found that uh, 
I think a lot of savings, cost savings definitely come from um, these patients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine uh, how far someone from the Yukon would have to come to to get their care. I mean, that, that might involve a plane or a very, very long car ride at the very least. Yeah, that goes to like the, the population we serve because PHSA has many unique programs and sometimes are very specialized. So it might not be possible for all like all patients to find the same type of service in their local community. And another thing I kind of want to say that today's world is not like what it is in the last century. People move around. It's not like people start something in one province, in one city, and they will stay in that city forever. And many programs we work with, they do provide the longitudinal uh, support. So they might follow up with the same patient after years of of some sort of like encounter before. And they will be all around the province, all around Canada, even all around the world. So uh, the virtual visit intervention does make it possible uh, for this kind of intervention and longitudinal follow-up to happen. What's the future of the dashboard? Is there anything that you're working on to enhance it or to improve upon it or to maybe even to roll this out to old brand new programs beyond the virtual visit one? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we kind of touched upon this a little bit previously. Like we can use this as a prototype. It's our first time, first attempt to putting something together. And I think in the future, this can serve as an example, uh, a tool. It will continue to be utilized as as an analytical and a motivational tool. And when we get like a bigger data set, we can feed that into this and we will be able to see bigger picture. And in terms of future, I think I would kind of mention we're all very analytical and evaluative in here. So we can try to like incorporate that into future projects and see if there's possibility to actually obtain the data that's required. The reason why we try this for the first time is because this is the first time uh, we were able to like pull out the, uh, the postcode prefix quite easily so we can do the mapping. And previously we don't really have the capability to do it because the data is not easily accessible. So I would say this is like an early success. It help us to like do the evaluation planning for future projects. So this is what I see from my angle. Like Julie, you wanna add anything? Sure, yeah, I think um, with all the virtual health solutions out there, I think one of the benefits of learning from this is that uh, I will make that a requirement. Like if we, we are able to capture the prefix uh, postal code of a patient, then, um, you know, uh, ac- more accurate data going into the dashboard, then more accurately we can reflect uh, the cost savings, the travel distance, and all that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's one one thing I would like to work on, and also make this more um, publicly seen. So, right now, yes, we are seeing it um, as a project team and within the organization. But I think it is also benefit for beneficial for uh, patients to see that. So, hoping that perhaps this interactive dashboard could be publish on our, you know, external website too. (laughs) Yeah, another thing I kind of want to mention is that I want to encourage like digital health practitioners in the field to try to leverage that data set and do things like that 
and maybe working together through collaboration, we can together fine tune our formula and to land on something that's more accurate and more like uh, transferable. So uh, for new project teams starting to do something like that, they don't have to start from scratch and trying to uh, come up with a formula that's, that's kind of reliable. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, I wanted to add to uh, Julie and Yang, do we know if there is a similar dashboard either in BC or across Canada? Because something I, I like to think that we're kind of uh, forging a new path this way, but I certainly don't want to make any false claims. Um, I haven't seen any, but I understand that Vancouver Coastal has worked on a um, evaluation of their virtual visit um, projects, and they work together with the energy and environmentally uh, environmental sustainability team to um, calculate like carbon dioxide mm -hmm. or greenhouse gas emission. Um, so. Again, that's one of the enhancements that uh, I hope to make as well to, to this dashboard to show um, environmentally sustainable of uh, the sustainability of virtual health in, in that area. <laughs> Surprisingly, you know, there is potentially a climate impact just given the number of, uh, number of visits that might be deferred or not have to take any transportation to get to. That's, it's not any significant when you're talking about the province the size of BC, right? And the, the distances that some people have to travel. That's very, that's very interesting. Um, I have to ask because we're an IT uh, publication, the tooling underneath it, the mapping and all this stuff, it, did you build this? Did you use a tool off the shelf? Um, how, how was the technology uh, underpinning? What, what is that? Uh, I can go first. So I would say most of the case, like we are using the built-in capability of Power BI, okay. a pretty standard mapping tool within it. We just need to like make sure we have the data set and we clean up our data set, make sure our data set is validated and we feed the like the formula, like the, the calculation formula into it. Yeah, that's basically what we did. And we had help from our IMET's partners, so our like technical partners to make sure we put in the, uh, the formula right. Um, but that's what I see from my perspective, not overly daunting in terms of the technical cap capability, I would say. If another uh, authority around the country or anywhere else in the world, frankly, is uh, anyone else in the world is looking to do a project like this, what would you uh, advise them on? What, what, what would you tell them not to do or to do as they maybe start around the journey that you've already been on? I think I kind of touch upon this a little bit. I do encourage people in the field to leverage the data to do things like this, maybe discover some insights, maybe to prove or disprove a hypothesis, maybe just to put out something that's visually engaging for stakeholder. Um, my advice will be like, try to collaborate with people who has a bit more experience in that space so you don't have to do everything alone and you can leverage the work that has been done, maybe a pretty good formula or something like that. Like uh, our leadership always has a saying, like if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. That is a fantastic saying, I love that. 
Julie, any advice from, from you? Uh, if someone else was thinking about this project or similar type of project, anything that you would tell them to watch out for or, or do differently? Um, I would say definitely agree with being uh, collaborate because you won't know until you start talking to um, perhaps other provinces across Canada, what they're working on, other health authorities around you. Um, there are so many uh, technically savvy people and analytical uh, teams like data scientists out there who can perhaps help you build a, a more sophisticated model to calculate uh, whatever you want um, and uh, um, yeah, basically make it more uh, a robust and uh, a way of seeing virtual health um, and how it benefits patients and families. And Chris, what about you? I mean, as a sort of a person involved in the project, what what do you, what have you seen, and what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about going down this road? Well, I can't take any credit for being involved in the project. To be honest, that's uh, definitely with Ying and Julie. But so for Alex and I, as the communicators, we just help tell the story. But uh, I would definitely say, just even to backtrack a little, provide a little context. Um, to speak to how valuable <clears throat> it is for this information and just for the adoption of virtual health. British Columbia has a population of about 5 million people and an area of about a million square miles. So just to give a bit of a visual, like the United Kingdom could fit into British Columbia. So the adoption of virtual health at this time, especially during a pandemic, has been really huge, it really rapid adoption. We went from, I think, and Julia Yang, correct me if I'm off on any of these numbers, but we went from, I think, roughly 1,300 virtual health visits a month to over 20,000 by the end of December. If I think that's right. It's We're per week, actually. <laughs> it was okay then, per week. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's really incredible. So um, having this is hugely important. And um, and yeah, just having the ability to share the story about it is huge. I mean, just the, just the fact that you have this must be so validating in terms of the investment being made in this, both in time, but also in resources, right? We don't have infinite resources in healthcare. And so to be able to show that this technology and this approach to giving care uh, is having such an impact in your, your immediate community uh, must, be feel must feel very validating. And it must be feel very validating to tell this story to others. Absolutely. It's very exciting. And thank you again. Yeah, no, and us. this is great. And um, I, 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 uh, I wish my own province would, uh, would do something like this, because I think it would be it would um, score some points, let's just say, for mm -hmm. the investments that the healthcare organizations around here have been making uh, in this similar type of technology, but maybe haven't displayed it quite as uh, effectively as you have. But no, thank you so much for all of your time to sit down with me today. I really enjoyed learning about the dashboard and, and certainly wish you continued success with it. And I'd love to uh, get together again as you maybe apply what you've learned here to other projects uh, that maybe go beyond virtual care, because I think you're onto something to be able to validate and motivate people to adopt new technologies. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you.
Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today. Have a great week.